And now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. Another great day for Republicans. I mean, just look at it. Today, there are articles in both the New York Times. Yes, that's right, the New York Times. And look, when people impute some kind of liberal bias to the New York Times, they're telling the truth. It is biased. It's to the left. But they have a piece in the New York Times not only about the growing margin by which Republicans are likely to win this election and, yes, uh, to win uh, control of the U.S. Senate as well, as likely as not, even with uh, some surprises coming up. But the uh, New York Times, speaking of surprises, has a big piece on the governor's race in New York. This no one saw coming. I mean, this is not, we're talking, I'm talking about Andrew Cuomo. We're talking about uh, the uh, Governor Hochul. And uh, she seemed to be supposedly walking into re-election as governor. She would actually be her first election. She took over because she was lieutenant governor when uh, uh, Cuomo had to resign. But uh, she was heavily favored. I mean... And at one point, she was ahead in the polling by 25 points. Not anymore. A new polling is showing Lee Zeldin, the Republican from Long Island, uh, shocking everybody by drawing within four points of, uh, of Governor Hochul. And uh, they uh, say in the Wall Street Journal now, I want to be careful to give you the source each time, how bad is one-party progressive rule in New York? Bad enough that it's becoming conceivable that a disaffected Democratic electorate might rebel on November 8th by picking a Republican for governor. With three weeks to go, the GOP's Lee Zeldin trails incumbent Kathy Hochul by a mere 6.2 points in one polling average. And then they go forward to talk about other direct polls that show that it's less than four points. And uh, all of the, the money and the energy uh, pushing for Lee Zeldin. Uh, there's also a possibility of electing a Republican United States senator for the first time in a generation, literally, uh, in, in the state of Washington, right here. It's an amazing thing. And Tiffany Smiley is running a great campaign. I had the opportunity of meeting her last Sunday and uh, we've spoken on the phone many times, and she's been on this show many times, but she is a very dynamic, naturally charismatic person. She's incredibly sincere and earnest and committed, and she is running a heck of a race. How good is the race Tiffany Smiley is running against Patty Murray to win a Senate seat for the Republicans in the state of Washington? She's doing so well that it's gotten the attention of George Will. That's right. He has a column about it. Yes, Washington State is deep blue, the column says, but a Senate shocker could be brewing. Yeah, not just craft beer brewing up here, but a Senate shocker brewing up here. We'll be speaking with George Will a little bit later this hour. And then more good news for the Republican Party. Mike's, Mike Pence gave an outstanding speech, actually two of them. And honestly, it, it um, lifts my spirits. Uh, 
It makes me feel encouraged about the country uh, and makes me feel, honestly, for the first time, uh, genuinely encouraged about a Mike Pence for president campaign. I'm not saying it's an endorsement. I'm not ready to endorse somebody for, for president for the year 2024. But I'm telling you, anybody who just uh, discards the former vice president who played such a heroic role, and yes, I do believe he played a heroic role. He wasn't a Judas, as uh, some Republicans have said. Mike Pence has been loyal to the Constitution. He swore to uphold. And right now he's loyal to the Reagan tradition of peace through strength. He gave a devastatingly good speech to the Heritage Foundation, the uh, one of the leading conservative think tanks. And uh, Mike, Mike Pence was talking not just about America's strength against the rest of the world in holding up the independence of Ukraine and the crucial fight against pure evil, and against Vladimir Putin. He was uh, also talking about, uh, well, the January 6th riot, inevitably. He spoke in two places. This is uh, what he said uh, in part at the Heritage Foundation. This is clip 10. Listen. Why haven't you extended that bravery to publicly denouncing the violence of January 6th? I'll never describe that day or the violence in any other way than the way I described it that day and the way I describe it today. It was violence, it was unacceptable, but at the end of the day it was a triumph for freedom thanks to people in both political parties who did their job. Okay, which I think is exactly right. He was also asked another question when he was speaking later in the evening at Georgetown uh, University. And he was asked at uh, basically, would he vote for Trump in 2024? And uh, here's what that sounded like. Listen, that's clip eight. Mr. Pence, if Donald Trump is the Republican nominee for president in 2024, will you vote for him? Well, there might be somebody else I'd prefer more. You know, what I can tell you is I'm, I have every confidence that the Republican Party is going to sort out leadership. All my focus has been on the midterm elections, and it'll stay that way for the next 20 days. But after that, we'll be thinking about the future, ours and the nation's, and uh, I'll keep you posted, okay? Uh, it's a great answer, don't you think? And an encouraging answer. The uh, AP reports uh, former Vice President Mike Pence yesterday warned against the growing populist tide in the Republican Party as he admonished Putin apologists, you know who you are, unwilling to stand up to the Russian leader over his assault on Ukraine. Quote, our movement cannot forsake the foundational commitment that we have to security, to limited government, to liberty and to life. But nor can we allow our movement to be led astray by the siren song of unprincipled populism that's unmoored from our oldest traditions and most cherished values. He told the think tank audience, let me say, Mike Pence said, this movement and the party that it animates must remain the movement of a strong national defense, limited government, and traditional moral values and life. 
Uh, to that end, Pence, uh, Pence criticized those in the party who have pushed a more isolationist foreign policy, particularly when it comes to Russian aggression. Earlier Wednesday, Russian President Vladimir Putin declared martial law for four illegally annexed Ukrainian regions as his forces have suffered stinging battlefield defeats and renewed attacks on Ukrainian cities and vital infrastructure. Uh, Pence said this, Now I know there is a rising chorus in our party, including some new voices in our movement, who would have us disengaged with the wider world. But appeasement has never worked, ever, in history. And now, more than ever, we need a conservative movement committed to America's role as leader of the free world and as a vanguard of American values. As Russia continues its unconscionable war of aggression to Ukraine, I believe that conservatives must make it clear that Putin must stop and Putin will pay. There can be no room in the conservative movement for apologists to Putin. There is only room in this movement for champions of freedom. Uh, the British would say, here, here. They would also say, uh, goodbye, Liz Truss. What happened to her? We'll be talking to a leading reporter from London about the shortest prime ministry ever. No prime minister has ever served for less than 44 days, and now she's resigning. Why? What can we learn from it? We'll get to that and more on the Medved Show. Michael, I disagree with you 90%, but I never miss your show. I agree with you about 99% of the time. The Michael Medved Show. It is my high honor and distinct privilege to introduce to you my friend. Michael Medved. <laughs> Thank you, Vice President Pence. Appreciate it very much. Um, look, uh, the uh, question that a lot of people are thinking, uh, they're hearing about these two great speeches, and, and they're both really worth listening to because they're solid. I think they're telling Republicans something that I need believe that Republicans need to hear about running a party on Reaganite principles it doesn't mean that this should be exactly like the Republican Party of the 1980s, but it means those core principles that have always identified uh, Republicans at, at least, oh, at, at least for 50 years, um, more than that, actually. But the, the principle of peace through strength, the, the principle of standing up to a pure evil, and not trying to look away. Uh, the principle that isolationism is very dangerous for this country. A principle of limited government, uh, reductions of spending, reductions of government meddling with every aspect of life. Now, all of this is part of what it means to be a Republican. And uh, Pence, in his speech at the Heritage Foundation, he, uh, he was critical of, uh, he said, there's only room in this movement for champions of freedom. So who is he talking about? He's talking uh, about people like the Senate candidate in Arizona, uh, Blake Masters, who has no experience in the Republican Party, has no experience in government or politics of any kind. He's a guy who was a uh, corporate associate of Peter Thiel, 
Uh, and uh, Blake Masters has labeled the Russia-Ukraine conflict, quote, a European problem and has criticized federal spending on Ukraine. Uh, Pence once again stressed the importance of the oath he took when he was sworn in as vice president, adding that the American people must know that conservatives will not simply pay lip service to keeping faith with the Constitution, but that we will always keep our oath, that we will keep our oath, as the Bible says, even when it hurts, and stand for the Constitution, even when it would be politically expedient to do otherwise. He's speaking later Wednesday evening before uh, students at Georgetown University. Pence was asked whether he would vote for Trump. We played it for you. If Trump becomes the Republican Party's nominee for president in 2024, he says, well, there might be somebody else I'd prefer more, drawing applause and laughter from the crowd. He said he's currently focused solely on the midterms, but added, I'll keep you posted. Pence's speech was briefly interrupted at one point by audience members who walked out of the auditorium in protest. I don't know whether that was protest uh, against what Pence was saying from the right, from people who felt it wasn't supportive enough of uh, a new candidacy by Donald Trump. And uh, it, what what he said was was this. Uh, Mike Pence. He said, what I can tell you is I have every confidence that the Republican Party is going to sort out leadership. All my focus has been on the midterm elections and it will stay that way for the next 20 days, he reportedly added. Now, there are a bunch of candidates who have had uh, Mike Pence come out and speak for them and they've had uh, Donald Trump come out and speak for them. I mean, uh, the Republicans really are concentrating very hard right now I'm trying to make sure that uh, they actually win control of the Senate. And that just takes defending a couple of endangered Republican seats and uh, winning a couple or even just one. If they defend all the Republican seats like Wisconsin, which is under threat, Pennsylvania, which is under threat. I do think Dr. Oz is going to win uh, last night. There was I heard Dr. Oz doing a, a panel on, on Fox News, and he was very good. He's gotten much better, and he should be able to win that race. And uh, I, it's it, this back in uh, October, well, it's actually it's yesterday, uh, Pence was asked about his own political future, Amid widespread speculation that he will run, Pence said he and his wife Karen will reflect at the right time, maybe in the months ahead, to determine what our calling is and to follow that calling come what may. He also, of course, has a book coming out, which uh, people are very much looking to the success of that book. Now, with all of this going on, there's also this uh, piece in the Wall Street Journal about Lee Zeldin, who is a, a mainstream Republican uh, and a, a very strong member of Congress of the United States who has a voting record of voting with the Republican leadership in the House very consistently. He's gotten the strong support of Kevin McCarthy and other uh, Steve Scalise, 
who has come out uh, not to help him because he wouldn't help particularly in New York State because New York State's awfully different from Louisiana. But uh, they, uh, they point out in the Wall Street Journal that New York is among the nation's most democratic states. Uh, Joe Biden took 60% of the vote in 2020. The fact that Lee Zeldin appears competitive is a sign of frustration with Democratic Party excesses and their demonstrable damage to the city and the state. A Quinnipiac survey this week showed uh, Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, up by only four points. The margin of error is three. Notably, 28% of voters said crime is their top problem facing the state, and 20% said inflation. These are good issues for Lee Zeldin, who promises to repeal cashless bail, to fire rogue prosecutors, and to cut taxes statewide to rev up the economy. A liberal states like Massachusetts and Maryland sometimes elect GOP leaders as a check on one-party rule. And Oregon might do it this year. New York did it not too long ago, though it might feel like the political Stone Age. Mayor Rudy Giuliani revitalized New York City by taking on crime and reforming welfare. Mike Bloomberg built on that legacy as a Republican and then an independent. Governor George Pataki, who beat Democratic Governor Mario Cuomo in 1994, held power through 2006, he cut taxes. He passed a law authorizing charter schools. Republicans controlled the state Senate for a solid stretch until 2008. All of that possible. And on the Michael Medved Show, we've been covering how many, many voices in media, including generally traditionally liberal voices, have been predicting that this is going to be a very good election day for Republicans. But there are not many people on the national level who have echoed something we've told you on this show for months now, which is the fact that there could be some real surprises in the Senate uh, when it comes to running for the Senate and taking uh, Republican advancements in the Senate, particularly right here in the state of Washington. George Will saw that. And uh, he saw that all across the country talking about, yes, Washington state is deep blue. Uh, Biden carried the state by more than 20 points. I mean, it was it was really very, very Democratic. But right now, there is a five-term Democratic incumbent who is in deep trouble. Uh, George, you've written about this. Why do you think it is that Tiffany Smiley is uh, giving such a, a vigorous and credible challenge to Patty Murray? Well, look around. Go shopping. Uh, look at the world outside our borders. Uh, Republicans have a very easy closing argument to make to the country, which is, look, if you like the trajectory of the country, if you like the fact that your the value of your currency is withering, if you like the fact that crime is surging, vote for the other guys who brought all this to us. If if you're not happy, vote for us. And people are more apt to be motivated when they vote by animosity and unhappiness than they are by gratitude. On the other hand, uh, Patty Murray, the Democratic uh, 
incumbent senator has the advantage that in Washington state, you people vote by mail, which means that low propensity voters who are hard to get to the polls don't have to get to the polls. It's a way of guaranteeing uh, the turnout of low propensity voters, more of whom are Democrats than Republicans. So uh, you're you're not giving an iron prediction that you think Tiffany Smiley is going to win. What you're saying is what I think a lot of the experts are saying, and people right here in the state of Washington, she has a good chance. Yes, and, and as a general approach to the cycles of our politics, it's surprising if we're never surprised. It's just uh, uh, there are so many races out there, and a large number of them get neglected, and a large number of them get reported from afar, uh, so people don't come in and get any sense of the granular nature of things. So we're bound to have in 30-some Senate races some surprises. I, I, I think Smiley has a chance to be one. I think uh, O'Day, the Republican nominee in Colorado, has a chance. Now, Colorado is a purple state. Washington's an indigo blue state. So Smiley has a larger challenge, but challenges get met. Okay, um, we're speaking to George Will, uh, America's for many years leading uh, and most credible columnist voice for the conservative movement. He's also the author of the recent bestseller, just came out in paperback, just did. It's called American Happiness and Discontents, uh, The Unruly Torrent, 2008 to 2020. Uh, and it's a collection of some of his most astute and important columns. Uh, uh, George, uh, Mike Pence gave a couple of speeches, which I listened to, that sounded pretty terrific yesterday. He was speaking at George uh, uh, Georgetown University, and, and he was also speaking at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, do you think that uh, he will be a credible candidate for president? Uh, yes. Uh, a former vice president is apt to be a, a credible candidate. The current vice president, when she is a former vice president, won't be. But generally, uh, a former vice president is. Uh, he's a, a former governor. He's had a distinguished record in the House of Representatives. He voted against No Child Left Behind, for which I salute him. He, he, he showed a certain amount of courage. I think he voted against Medicare Part D because it was an unfunded entitlement. So he's, he's experienced and has shown a, a backbone when it was required. He tiptoed away from Mr. Trump again yesterday, saying he'd, uh, there might be other. when asked if he'd support it, said, well, there might be others we want to look at. Now, that's a, a kind of gross heresy in uh, certain precincts of the Republican Party, and therefore he takes a certain kidney to say it. Well, wouldn't it be if um, Ron DeSantis wins in a landslide, and I think there's every expectation that he will, he's on the ballot for governor of Florida, and Ron DeSantis decides he's going to run this time, and uh, President Trump uh, runs again, appealing to a, almost exactly the same chunk of the electorate as Governor DeSantis, wouldn't there be room for a third candidate in in that kind of duel like a Mike Pence to um, appeal to people you you could say are traditional Republicans old-style Reagan Republicans there might be in the in the sense that uh, the more Trump and Trump wannabes divide the Trump ish portion of the Republican Party 
the better chance there is for someone to sneak through. And what I'm looking for, Michael, is a, a deep breath candidate. That is someone who turns to the country and says, deep breath, everybody. We know you're not angry, you're exhausted, and you're slightly embarrassed by our politics. So everybody calm down. Now, I think a candidate who approached the American people like that would find an enormous welcoming constituency. The, uh, there's talk now, and talk in the New York Times of all places, that Lee Zeldin has a real shot of pulling the upset of the decade and uh, winning as governor of New York. Uh, do you think that would have a big impact on our party politics? Well, it would be a, a seismic event, and it would be seismic because I think we would know what the what it is explained by. It's the issue of crime. When government cannot do the first thing that governments are instituted to do, which is to keep the peace, keep us from one another's throats, keep streets safe and meetings calm. When the government can't do that, people will change the government. And in New York, with the vast, silly criminal justice experiments of cutting back in policing and no cash bail particularly, people are connecting the dots between certain policies and certain social outcomes. So if, and we're still a ways off from this happening in New York, but if that happens, and even if Zeldin comes close, it will be because of the issue of crime. Wow. And uh, it, it would be something that would be quite remarkable. If, if from where you're sitting right now and just the brief moment we have left to us, uh, most people assume there will be a Republican House starting in January. Uh, what about the Senate? Does it look like a tilt to the blue side or the red side? It looks as though there will be the usual pattern, which is when you have four, five, six, half a dozen close races, most of them fall in the same direction. And if I had to bet, I'd be nervous making this bet, but if I had to bet my net worth, uh, I would bet that uh, Mitch McConnell is majority leader in January. <laughs> and that wouldn't please Mr. Trump necessarily, but it certainly would please, <laughs> I think, most Republicans heartily. Uh, George Will, uh, always a, uh, a precious, uh, much-needed voice uh, asking for a deep breath candidate, and I love that construction for 2024. His book, it's available on paperback. It's posted up at our website at michaelmedved.com. It's called American Happiness and Its Discontents, The Unruly Torrent. Uh, George, Godspeed to you, and let's have plenty that we hope we can celebrate together on election night. And what else could that be? It could be addressing what Daniel Henninger calls the biggest midterm issue. What is it? Chaos. Coming up. <laughs> Become a MedHead member today. Michael, my wife and I are MedHead members, and we've listened to you for years. Commercial-free podcasts, commentaries. And I'm quoting here, insane, catastrophic, chaos. The Michael Medved Show. These are some of the more polite words.
And uh, there are plenty of polite words uh, and plenty of insightful words also from uh, Daniel Henninger uh, at the Wall Street Journal who asks a question. What's happening to the stock market? Well, it was up earlier today and then it went down. I don't know where it is right now. But uh, the point is, generally, the uh, stock market for this year has been pretty rugged. Not so great. Uh, the Dow is down 78 points uh, at the moment. And, uh, okay, will Vladimir Putin go nuclear? He asks, this is Daniel Henninger in the journal, what personal pronoun am I? Mystification, he writes, has become a permanent state of life. And for the next three weeks, the big mystery is who's going to win the midterm elections. Answer, the Republicans. It's going to be a red wave, he suggests. If this prediction proves wrong, I'll join the crow-eating fest the morning after. An October surprise could change everything. But how bad could any surprise get after President Biden himself already prophesied the possibility of Armageddon? No uh, event is likely to move the needle decisively for Democratic Senate candidates in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, or Nevada. What exactly are the, these midterm elections all about? He says the 500-pound bear in the room is inflation. Still, I don't recall another recent midterm when so many discrete issues were filtering through voters' minds. Crime and abortion, recession, energy prices, the border, schools, Ukraine, and not least Joe Biden himself. And uh, what he points out is, I keep wondering what voters make today of the 2020 presidential election, not the contested result. Mr. Biden won, but one reason Mr. Biden narrowly won is that he pulled over independents and disaffected Republicans by running as a moderate alternative to his party's progressives, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Mr. Biden's moderate normal presidency didn't last past Inauguration Day. His switcheroo to progressive standard bearer for the Sanders-Warren-Pelosi policy goals was startling. A lot of voters who decide close elections have to be wondering about the difference between what they wanted and what they got. And I do think that that, as much as anything happens to explain the extraordinarily low and consistently low approval ratings of the Biden presidency. Uh, given the fact that his entire presidency has been a broken promise. That is a real problem. And uh, a uh, <laughs> uh, really that uh, uh, the problem here is chaos in the country not having a direction. As uh, Henninger points out, we live in chaotic times. The Real Clear Politics polling average has the country's right direction number bouncing along the bottom at 26.7%. That means that three-quarters of Americans think we're going the wrong way. And uh, how does, um, does the President of the United States address that? Well, Jake Tapper had a, a good insight into what is going on and what is not going on. Uh, this is clip 11. And as much as we might all want to wish it away, it's clear 
With less than three weeks until the midterm elections, the forecast is doom and gloom. And maybe that's why President Biden today gave not one, but two speeches on the economy. One word you did not hear from President Biden today, the word recession. But he did admit a recession was a possibility during our interview last week. I don't think there will be a recession. If it is, it'll be a very slight recession. That is, we'll move down slightly. Look, it's possible. I don't anticipate it. But now some of the world's leading economists are shouting the word recession from the rooftops. Credit ratings firm Fitch warned just yesterday that the U.S. economy will sink into a recession next spring. Bloomberg economists now put the odds of a recession at 100%. Okay, 100%? And that impacts every single one of us. Uh, and again, what is supposed to go on for the next two years where there is a very different vision of what the country needs, what our economy requires uh, between the Republicans who are going to be taking over the House and probably taking over the Senate and uh, what you get from President Biden and what you get from uh, uh, President Biden uh, he was asked this, uh, and, and this is today, before running to his helicopter on the White House lawn to go campaign for John Fetterman in Pennsylvania, who I hope and trust and pray is going to lose to Dr. Oz, soon to be Senator Oz. Uh, Biden took a few questions from reporters. One question was, Okay, why is the only guy who seems to want to campaign with you, the guy with the stroke and the tattoos uh, blurted out all over his forearms, including one that has been crossed out that used to say, yes, he was wearing a tattoo that said, I'm going to hurt you. Okay, really, really, really? So why aren't more candidates campaigning with Biden? Here's what Biden said about that. Listen, this is clip five. John Fetterman is going to appear with you today yeah. in Pennsylvania, but there haven't been that many candidates campaigning with you. Why are That's more? That's not true. There's been 15. Count, get count. Okay, and uh, are there going to be even more? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there have been 15, uh, even more. And uh, then he was asked another quick question uh, about restrictions on abortion. <laughs> Here's the president, clip six. Any restrictions, there be any restrictions on abortion at all? Any restrictions on abortion yes. at all? Uh, yes, there should be. What should they be? In Roe v. Wade. Read it, man. You'll get educated. No, I'm going to ask you. Okay, Roe v. Wade doesn't talk about restrictions on abortion. Roe v. Wade talks about restrictions on abortion regulation. What it says is you can't uh, have regulation of abortion except uh, after the period of viability. Uh, a, an email came in, and uh, this says very directly, help me, I live in Arizona. I don't like Blake Masters and did not vote for him in the primary. But what's more important, keeping the Senate, it's actually winning the Senate, the Democrats control it now, or being forced to vote for a less than perfect candidate. I await your help. Uh, that would be a tough call for me, that race, as it is for you. It's from Roberta in Tucson, Arizona. Thank you for listening. But I would uh, go ahead, and particularly since he has so consistently moderated some of the more extreme things that he has said, Blake Masters, 
I, I would uh, go ahead and, and vote for him over Senator Kelly. Uh, and, and, and that's, again, it's a tough one. Uh, but uh, when you are electing a senator, when you're electing a member of the House, you're electing someone who is going to help choose the committee chairs for every committee. Foreign Relations Committee, the Finance Committee, the Armed Forces Services Committee. And if you look at the change in personnel that is going to happen, and it may be that one race in Arizona, which is very close and has gotten very close. Kelly was um, running well ahead. But now I do think that Blake Masters will probably bring it off. And and maybe surprise people by being a mainstream, uh, constructive Republican, certainly on economic issues, where I believe that Masters runs a little bit more libertarian and certainly in favor of a smaller government and uh, less federal expansion of federal power. Uh, that, that is something to be said. I, uh, I appreciate the inquiry. Uh, coming up, we're going to be speaking to a Washington Post reporter who has had one of the most bizarre stories uh, in the world to cover. The story is uh, the exciting young female prime minister of Britain. She was going to be the next Maggie Thatcher. She's out of there, resigned. What is happening in Great Britain? The Labour Party, which used to be so extreme with Jeremy Corbyn, now with uh, uh, as a Starmer, the new Labour leader, they appear to be running 30 points ahead. When are they going to have a new election? They are going to have to pick a new prime minister because she is gone, resigned today. What is that about? Uh, we will find out direct from London. And uh, much more talking about the collapse of manhood in America. Uh, what is happening to our males? That and more coming up in this greatest nation on God's green earth.